Yeah, so last week uh, went into uh, many different ideas. Uh, and so on, you know. So, the, what the, we're into Ramchal Perak Dalad. Where the Ramchal says that Ramchal now gonna, in this parak is going to go into the um, the situation that a, man, a person, a human, finds himself in, <coughs> and what the whole point of that situation is, why he's into this situation, and what is uh, what's the uh, the intended achievement that the Rambam wants for this particular person. So he says, "Bimatzovoi." Uh, in the situation of a person in this world, you can distinguish two or differentiate two specific situations. One is the person himself, in terms of who he is and what he is, and the second thing, of course, is the place in which he is, the place in which he is placed, where he's placed. You know. So obviously, we're talking about an individual, uh, an individual person. And we're talking about the um, particular circumstances, which is really the world that he finds himself. In other words, what we're really trying to understand is what's the whole concept? Why is the physical existence, why is there a physical existence, A? And how do we understand what it does, its features, its characteristics, and, uh, and what the really one hopes, what, what the Vashem hopes it will achieve in the end. What's the whole point of it all? So that's really what this chapter is going to deal with. You know. In any case, so first he began by speaking, he now begins speaking, uh, which is the concept that man is a very unusual creature, a human being. Really in many ways very bizarre, because there is no such thing other than a human that even resembles this type of nature. You can either be there. There are. I once mentioned there are three different um, dimensions of existence. One is a what's called a physical universe. A second thing is called a spiritual universe, and the third area is called God Himself. God is neither physical nor spiritual. And that is a third area or third dimension of reality. Um, so, therefore, the physical and the spiritual we know are created. The dimension of God, which I went into last week, the concept of Atzmusoy, the Rambam is neither physical nor <coughs> spiritual. Uh, what he is is absolutely unknown. Um, and I had mentioned that there are two concepts. One is the Rambam be Atzmusoy. Who is God in terms of He Himself? And the second thing, that's called a Kodesh Bohu. And the second thing is what He created as a representation of Himself. Okay? And that's not uh, Atzmusoy, that would be the Shrina. So, in that sense, the Bosham is who, whoever He is, which is absolutely unknown. And then that representation which He created. Because we know the problem with knowing God. What's the problem of knowing God? Why can't we know who God is? Then you'll cease to exist as an individual. Uh, that's true. But that's not the real problem. Why is it nobody can know who God is? 
You say, no, we cannot know his God no matter what. Even though Ilam Habu, you'll never know who he is. What's the problem? Anybody know? I mean, you should know. We don't exist. Who? We don't exist. Yeah, we know a lot of things even though we don't exist. That's not the problem. What was, what was the definition of how Moshe Rabbeinu is God? What the definition was? Yeah, how do you look at it? I would think he would be the first person I would think about. Who could know to, God? Did he know any nature? He also, he was close he knew, to God. Yes, he knew aspects of God's nature, you know. But you cannot know God, period. Why not? Is it because he's infinite? Because he's equal. He's equal. He's equal. Yeah, but why can't, why can't God tell us who he is? Okay, no. You cannot experience God in terms of who he is because then you would cease to exist. Since it's Eino Mavadoi, there's nothing that exists besides him, right? So, if you know who he is, in other words, you know his Eino Mavadoi, you cease to exist. It's a contradiction in terms. That's true. You know. But why can't he tell us who he is? Because the concept of a concept is a creative concept. What are you really saying? That's, there's a difference. The problem is, you know, which I've, I've said many times, is that all, when the Russian, most people do not understand or don't know what God created. The fundamental, the fundamental question is, does anything coexist with God? Which means, it did not have to be created. That's the question you have to ask. And the answer to that is? No. No. Therefore, he created everything. There is nothing that coexists with him. Therefore, he needs to create everything. Right? What is everything? Objects, concepts, reality. Re reality does not exist besides God. The concept of reality doesn't exist unless God creates the concept of reality. The concept of yes, so even the word existence or the experience of existence doesn't exist. So the Moshima has to create the experience or the phenomenon on existence itself, which is something which we can't even begin to understand. Therefore, any way you which you will understand God is only through a concept. But the problem is that concept is a created entity, therefore it obviously does not refer to him. So then, with what concept can we grasp? You well, see, that's the problem. Why can he create something that uh, sees him? That sees him? Yeah, why can he create? He can create anything, create us that we see whatever it is yeah, but the problem is that seeing is a concept that was created that's what I'm saying so why can't that creation see him why is that the, the contradiction just the, the creation see him because the whole concept of experiencing which is what seeing is all about is a nivra that means that he, he is not anything part of his nivra he is not anything of what he created. So therefore, before God created the world, was there a thing called seeing? No. There's no thing as eyes, no thing as seeing, there's nothing. So therefore, what is seeing going to do? It can't see what does not embody <coughs> seeing or an object to be seen. You know? So nothing, you cannot experience God. This is the major problem. You see. 
So therefore, in a certain sense, you can never know who God is at all. You know, he's unknowable. For the simple reason that any concept that you think you know about him is not him at all. So he created understanding about him that we can understand. Yeah. Not so he created concepts. He created the concept of understanding. He just creates all of that, you know, um, and, and so on. I was, I was uh, a comment that's remarkable. You know, normally when a per person paints a picture, he has to paint a picture of what he has experienced. You know, the Bansham created a Bria without any experience. Think about that. How many things and concepts and so on are there in this Bria? It's almost infinite. Yet God has never experienced any of these things that he created. So how did he pick it out? Where does it creative ability come from? You know, when we create, we never create. What? He created creative ability, which is even a bigger kasha. How do you even create the ability to create? You know, that's all part of it, you know. What? No, the Torah is a created idea. So where do you get the experience to create a Torah? You know? You're right. If the Torah coexists with God, then he just looked in it, right? But since the Torah doesn't exist until God made it exist, you know, so it comes out that, you know, you think of what an imagination. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, you imagine to be able to create an entire reality without ever experiencing it. He, God couldn't read it anywhere. He couldn't talk it over with anybody. You know what I'm saying? So how do you know what to do? Unbelievable. That's, that's, that's a dimension of yesh me'ayin, as opposed to a person who can't do yesh me'ayin. So it's yesh me'ayin. So in your, in your We're only yesh me'ayin. No, yesh me'ayin means, no, no, no. Yesh me'ayin means that he created from nothing. But how did he know what to create from nothing? Where did he get this creativity from? That's a deeper dimension of yesh me'ayin. That he created without a blueprint. Exactly. Without any blueprint, without any plans, no experience, Nothing. And not, he, not just he created one thing, he created an infinite variety of things without anything to back it up. No experiences. You know, he couldn't hire a consultant. Nothing. I mean, to me, that's beyond belief. Not just to be able to create out of nothing, but how do you know what to create out of nothing? You know? You have to have some idea in your mind from, yeah, from right. some former experience. should be perfect the whole time. It should be perfect, exactly. No mistakes, yeah. Although, I'll tell you, to be honest with you, sometimes you look at people and you really say to yourself, this guy was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, he's really a mistake, you know. Well, he taxes God. the Amuna. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, in a certain sense, that was a mistake. System, yeah. But interestingly, this is a correct statement. The neshama in this is as much him as he is him. Is that correct? The neshama is what? Our neshama, when he breathes breath of life into us, is as much a piece of his cloth as he is. It's him as much as him. We have that inside of us. It's so much as his shechina, not him. Remember, the shechina is a living, or is, is a representation of him. And we connect with the Shechina, we relate with that, but he is beyond the Shechina because the Shechina itself is a Nivra. He created that concept called Shechina. You know what I'm saying? So you can't connect to a being that 
defies all description. You know what I'm saying? All of it, you know. But in any case, so what the Barsham did do, you know, so that reality is unknown. But obviously he created a spiritual universe and he created, of course, a physical. The incredible thing is that he decided to merge two of them. You know, it's like merging fire and water, you know. <coughs> it's like merging fire and water. How do you do that? Because really they're opposites. You know, spirituality and physicality is not just different. You know, an angel isn't just different from you. In many ways, he's the opposite of you. You know what I'm saying? Why is that? In what way is a, is a uh, spiritual being opposite to a physical being? Remember, it's an important concept. A spiritual being is not just different from you, he is opposite from you. It's called a oxymoron. You know. So the question is how? A spiritual being perceives the equal to you. Yeah, go ahead. In some, by some extent. And a physical? We, we don't at all. Zero. And we understand it, but we don't experience it. Very good. Because a spiritual being has to be made of whatever substance they're made of. Look, a, a malach has a substance. We don't know what that is, but it is a substance, by the way, that has laws. <coughs> Just like this physical universe is a substance, material, that has laws, a spiritual universe also has a substance that has laws. You know what I'm saying? But the thing is that that type of substance, okay, is diametrically opposed to this type of su substance, and therefore, he can experience, the Malak can experience things that we cannot experience at all because of the way we are made, our substance. So the, how in the world can you take a spiritual being and <coughs> merge it together with a physical? You know, that is incredible. You see. So that's what the Mosham did. So a human being is really, is, a, is, a, is an oxymoron. Sometimes, is he an oxy or is he a moron? <laughs> Which is he, you know? So, but, but really, that's what it is. He's just a composite of two substances that are not just different, but oppose each other uh, in, 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 in a way, and therefore they have two different experiences and so on, you see. But lo and behold, that's what he did. He merged two different substances which oppose into one thing. And this is a human being, which is uh, really an astounding. Okay, so that's what the Ramchal says. <clears throat> you know, that he is composed of two completely different things. Shnei hafochem, Ramchal says. He doesn't say two different things. Shnei dvorim shoinam. That would mean two different things. It's shnei hafochem. Two different opposites. One being the neshama and one being the guf. There were instances in, in history where where physical beings did the what? experience the what? People did experience um, a certain level of yichud. It's, I mean, <coughs> probably the most powerful is Harsina. Well, yeah, yeah. It well, was they first they experienced it, then they died. But first they experienced it in the guf. Yeah, but what really experienced it, if you think about that, right, is the neshama. And somehow the neshama, which is a person, as he is a neshama, and in that way he was able to somehow communicate this, you know, 
through the physical body that he has, you know. But what really experiences that really is a soul. The neshama experiences that, you know. And in so whatever the connection is between the neshama and the guf, the neshama is able to sort of like communicate with the guf in a certain way, you see. In other words, what the neshama experiences, the guf will also experience. You see, so that's very important idea, you know. So if the neshama experiences a giloi or a nevua, you know, which is really a, essentially a, really a giloi, right, a revelation, then somehow the guf will also experience that. But the guf does not experience it really. It, it's the neshama that does, and that somehow that experience is able to be translated. Into the goof itself. Is that why the, at Harsinai, the Nisham and the goof basically got blasted apart? Because the goof just wasn't able to handle the influx. The, the Nisham sort of extended the experience of the goof, and the goof just. Well, in a certain sense, which is really unusual actually, the Nisham was able to discard the body. You see? I mean, the body, what is the life force of a goof? Really, what is it? Is there a life force in the body? You said Nefesh Bahami. Who? Nefesh Bahami. There's a Nefesh Bahami, that's true. It's a life force in the goof, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It could be, yeah. But in a human, the life force, in many ways, is the Neshama. So if the Neshama leaves the body, right? I mean, when a person dies, what leaves? <coughs> it's the Neshama, not the Nefesh Bahami. It's the Neshama, right? So... Therefore, the person dies. So the neshama is what empowers the lower soul, that's what it's called, and that derives its life force from the neshama, and that life force empowers the lower animal soul, it's called the animal soul, and that empowers the body. So it all starts from the neshama, and if the neshama leaves, there's nothing. It's like you take away the generator, take away the generator, everything falls apart. Anything working on those circuits is gone. You know, so therefore, it's the, the the neshama that experiences. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what the the the, the amazing thing really is that the marsham connected two opposites. You know what it's like? It's like you know what it's like. Um, <coughs> there's matter and there's antimatter. Are you aware of this? Matter and antimatter. Matter, the way they enter, what's an antimatter? There's an electron, right? And there's what's called a positron. An electron has a certain charge. It's negative. You know, electron has a negative charge. A positron is an electron with a positive charge. Okay? If they touch each other, they annihilate each other. They cannot exist at the same time in the same place, you know. So matter and antimatter, you know, uh, matter and antimatter, if they connect or touch, I mean, if they touch, they, what happens is they annihilate each other, <coughs> and you're left with pure energy, whatever that is. Okay. That's called a positron. No, 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 separate. No, no, yeah, no. There's a proton and a antiproton. It's a proton with a negative charge. 
so to speak, you know. Every every particle has an opposite. This is interesting. Every, this is by definition, every single microparticle is, let's say, every electron has an has an has a, has No, no, not that it has. There is the concept. There are things which are positrons. No, but doesn't it's not you know. All I'm saying is the concept of anti exists. For every po- every thing there is is an anti that. You know, but they but they're the exact same things except they differ in charge. Now, what is a charge? I never heard any explanation. What in the world does it mean to have a charge? You know, I've never heard any explanation for what a charge is. You know, you can say there's a charge, whatever we want to call it, and there's another charge, so they repel each other, you know. But what in the world is a charge? You know, all they can tell you is a charge is, is a property of a substance, or like an electron, or a proton, and so on. And so on. But, so therefore, in the same way, the neshoma in the goof is what? Is positive and negative. You know what I'm saying? So the, gu- the neshoma is positive, so to speak, and the neshoma in the goof is negative, and if they touch each other, whatever, they annihilate. So the incredible thing is that the Barsham is able to overcome that, in, in certain sense, mutually exclusive items in the same space. It's astounding. So it comes out that the Neshama is trapped. Because the Neshama as a spiritual substance is infinitely greater than the roof as a physical substance. So it comes out that the Neshama is trapped in a, in, a, in, a, in a place that really it should immediately annihilate the body, but it can't. So two things. Number one, it's placed sort of like in the body, whatever, and it cannot annihilate the body. It's a prisoner. Only the Bershom can do that. That's a decree of the Bershom. It's a zero. With the Bershom, however he does it, obviously. He sees Goyz and says, you know, you need to go into the body not only that, but you cannot even annihilate the body. So you will be forever a captive of the guf. Not forever. Not forever. Forever. 100 years. 20, whenever the body, whenever the moment body lives. True. But what happens when you come back and clear the mason? It's prison all over again. Mm-hmm. But, but at that point, it'll be fused together. It'll be... Uh, it'll, it'll be what? You're saying it'll be the ultimate, uh, it'll be a perfect state. So, but prison. So, in prison, even on that. that uh, yeah, the real question is. Anybody in house arrest? You know. I mean, the real question you have to ask is why do this? Why stick in a sham into a goof? There's no, I, so, there's no self without it. There's no what? There's no self without it. Self disappears. Which self? Without that goof. There's no eye. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Of course there's an eye. Right. Well, if, when the sham is not with a goof in Gan Eden. So who's talking to who? There's all community up there. <laughs> you know, they're all learning Torah, <coughs> whatever they're doing, right? Is, yeah, Ganadin is an ishama without a goof. So the goof gives eye. Who? The self, self identity is not given by goof. No, the ishama has an eye independent of the goof. No. Is it more subtle body? I mean, what's that? What's that? What, is it more subtle goof? I mean. No, it's a the neshama leaves the goof and there it is. It has it has an eye. There's a whole community I I, I up there. Like, so why do we need 
Why do we need a goof? Well, that's the question I'm asking. Wait a second. You've arrived at my question. I don't. I don't. We were discussing the the eye is not the eye is the shaman. The eye is not the shaman. Well, Rebbe told me before. Yeah, I want to get into this because I know it's a very big part of show, but yeah, like. You know who is the I or the ego or the self? That's that is a you know you know why that's that's a real problem. I, that's not in the shaman. Well, let me ask something. If you go to a zoo, I once said this. You know, in the, you go to the zoo and you look at a gorilla in a cage, and he looks back at you. Does a gorilla have any shama? No. No. So then, can I ask you who's looking back at you? Not only is he looking back at you, but he'd love to break your neck. I mean, there's an active eye that wants to do things. He eats bananas. And he enjoys them. And he enjoys them, yeah. I mean, it's not only him. What about, uh, I mean, sharks in the ocean? Uh They're coming at you, and there's an eye there, you know. You're about to become his dinner. You know what I'm saying? So then, if, if, if animals or, and so on, if they have no eye, if they have no neshama, so who's their eye? Interesting question. So you have to say that the nefesh tachtoina itself can give a person an eye, a sense of self. Why can't you say that eye is a third entity that sort of is wherever, whatever the situation is, but the eye is a third entity, it has nothing to do with the shama or the guf. Well, that's what I'm saying. Apparently, the the, the nefesh tachtoina, which is the which is the ne- it's, I don't get the, the nefesh tachtoina, is a subtle. The Ramchal says that the nefesh tachtoina, which is called the lower soul, is a physical entity. Dakshibadakas <coughs> is the most f- subtle physical entity known, and he says it floats in the blood. That's where its presence is. How is that? It's in the blood. That's why it says ki adam hu ha nefesh. How could it be a physical thing? How could a physical thing have an identity? No, I'm. Mean, it doesn't have. Isn't that by definition only a spiritual thing to be having that? Have no. Feel, I, well, feel a gorilla is not spiritual. But the neshama, the nefesh at that time, is a spiritual. No, it's not. No, because every animal has a nefesh tachtoina. Every. It, the life force of any animal is that nefesh tachtoina. It doesn't mean identity, it just means a life force. But a life force, right? There is something about a life force when it gives life depending on the consciousness. You know, you know, there, a rock has a life force that makes it be, so to speak, right? But then there are plants which have a life force and there are people that say plants have consciousness. Just check out those people who talk to their plants. You know what I'm saying? The people swear by this, that they talk to the plants and the plants rise. You praise it, it goes. If you rise. praise it, it goes up. I've seen You've seen that happen? You've seen that, I've read that in a lot. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean the plant has self-consciousness. That doesn't mean that. Well, what, well, well it, you know, what's going on? We don't know. It, it seems from Chazal that plants have a consciousness. They, they have a consciousness, except they're completely immobile, which means not only immobile, they, kind of in, they cannot in any way express their consciousness. Apparently there are Chazal that seem to indicate that. Is that, that them or the Malach? It's not the Malach, it's them. What? But anyway, 
took yeah, there's a whole skin convulsive things, put them on plants, and when they went in to prune the plants, the ones that weren't being pruned yet reacted when he entered the room. Also, there was an interesting study on the Venus fly thing, that how it knows to eat meat. If something lands in it, the Venus fly uh, yeah, well, in the Amazon, it won't start digesting it, unless it's protein, unless it's meat. It somehow... You that know, could be chemical in nature. Yeah, yeah there's something... The proteins give off a certain type of reaction, you know, that, you know. But anyway, um, so the, the, in many ways the question is, why take a spiritual entity, a neshama, which is a being in itself, like a malach? You know, a malach is a being in itself, it has nothing to do with physicality. So a neshama is also what? Is also, it's spiritual, right? And it has an identity. We don't know what that is, you know what I'm saying? In Gan Eden, right, there are only neshamas. They have left their guf behind, right? And they've gone to another place called Gan Eden, right? And I'm sure there's, uh, there's all kinds of things going on out there. You know what I'm saying? So, so what, why we need Tchiyas HaMesim? Well, that's a different <coughs> question, why we need Tchiyas HaMesim. But put that aside. So the real question is why... And not only that, the other question is, okay, you know, the first question is what? Why have a goof altogether? The second thing is, once you left the goof, why bring them back? Why should they be a Tchir Samesim? You know, why not just be in Oilum Habo, just as a soul? You, you, you understand what I'm saying? need a goof to do a void, otherwise it's not sure. When you're here, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the question why not bring, why, why bring it back? But to have it here, because otherwise we wouldn't be able to earn it. We wouldn't be able to yeah, but it. That's, that, that itself is the question. Why bother? Why not have an avoider for the neshama? I mean, malachim do things. What do malachim do all day long? You know? There are things going on that they do. There are, there are, there are activities for malachim. So why can't the neshama have its own activities? You know what I'm saying? No, so why not, in a certain sense, why not create a situation where the neshama has to do a certain task, but that whole place will be spiritual? So they have to do a certain avoido to remove the bread of shame, the namadik sufa, which means they have to do something to earn some higher state, noidim habo. That's the question. The, no. well, the question, really, uh, according to what you said in the beginning about the three worlds, the world of Olam of so then spirituality, then physicality. Yeah. And I think you said before that Olam Haba really is the world of Atzmuso. Olam Haba is. Olam Haba is the world of Atzmuso? It's not spiritual. No, of course it is. It is spiritual. Yeah, sure. There is no Olam Atzmuso. Olam Haba is the greatest spiritual okay. region of all. That's what Olam Haba is. It's spiritual, but it's the greatest region of spirituality that exists. And that's where everybody will wind up, ultimately. Do you think that the value of the body could be because in DNA there's some spiritual ingredients in there? No, no? I don't think so. No, so that, that's a very important question. Why not create the whole environment of Avoido in the spiritual domain? Why bother with a physical? That's that's the question. You know what I'm saying? It's not an easy question to answer because the 
problem is, why is there Tresamesim? Not so much why there is Tresamesim, but why do we have to come, come back? Okay, we left the, the body. Why do we have to come back to it, you know? And so on, you know? <coughs> and then once you come back to the body, you know, you got to take a haircut, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> you know, you got to eat, take a haircut, you know, it's like, come and take a shower. I mean, like, you know? That's a very hard question to answer. <clears throat> you understand? In other words, why create the entire situation of avoidor in a physical setting? Why not create the entire avoidor in a spiritual setting? That's the question. You know, the answer probably lies in the fact that the fundamental difference that in order to do, what is the avoider really? What, what, if you had to boil down the avoider, you know, the mitzvahs and everything, right? What exactly fundamentally does God want? Gilo Shekhinah. Gilo who? Gilo What does that mean? Two, that's two... Uh, to unreveal the presence of Hashem in a place where it's not present. Okay, good. But that's the avoider, but ultimately he wants you to know it's Hasoga. He wants you to know that he is and he's the only is. Period. That's old, and that's the reward itself. You see, the problem is this: is that in a spiritual universe, everybody knows he is, because that's what it means to be spiritual. <coughs> well, this is no bechira exactly. The problem is that there are two types of universes. If you really want to think about that, you know, there is a two types of dimensions. One dimension is where you know he is. And the other dimension, you know he is not, or he's absent. You see, so the problem is if you take the neshama and you make a whole situation for it, where he's oived, what's the problem? Is that you know he is, right? So then what's the, what kind of, what, what, then what would the neshama do? What, so then what's the aliyah? Because, you, know, you know what I'm saying? What's the ascent? If you already know he is, then what's the ascent? To know better. To know better, which means to know more who? More, more, more clarity in that yichud. Exactly. That would be the upward ascent. You see? But the problem is you've already the ground, as they say, the ground, uh, uh, ground zero. That's the word, right? The ground zero is that you know he is. Okay, you can have you can have greater and greater and greater clarity, right? Because you will have greater and greater experiencing of him. True, but the mushroom doesn't want that. He wants to put you in a place that you don't even know he is. Why? Because he wants a ground zero, which is zero. Why? Why, why should it be that way? Uh, because that's a true test to go from a ground zero that you don't even know he is. And to figure it out <coughs> clearly is a much greater achievement than to grow from, you know, than to go from a ground he is, and I know he is more or clearer. <coughs> in Oilam Habo, what happens? Think about this. And you see it from Oilam Habo. Yeah, what happens really in Oilam Habo? I mean, a lot of things happen, you know, and so on, you know. 
I mean, you don't have to work for a living anymore. There's a lot of great stuff that's going on there, right? There's no more unions. No haircuts. No haircuts. No, no, no U.S. government paying that charges you tax. It's a lot of great stuff. Who? What are you going to do there? But one of the things that happens there is there is a climb or an ascent of greater and greater clarity of Enid Mavadoi. The level is not going to be fixed? No. No. That's why it says Sadikim, they have no Menuch in Ilam Habo. What does that mean? Means there is no fixed point and that's it. They grow in that Hasaga. So if that's so, if the Avoida is the same as Ilam Habo, what's the point? Ilam Habo is a place where you grow in clarity. So what are you going to do? You're going to create a, you know, a spiritual place, right? No a lower one where you'll know he is, but you have a less of a spiritual clarity. I mean, that's already going on in Oilam Habo. It's the same process. It's not even in the same. What? It's not even in the same. Whatever it is, but it's the same that, thing right? as Oilam Habo. The only difference is that if you put the avoid of the Neshama in this world, or whatever that, the world will be spiritual, all it means is that they started off with a lower Hasog of Enoid Mavadai. But it, essentially, it's the same process. You understand what I'm saying? If the neshama is placed in a ruchnistic place, then what would be its task to get a to gain a greater measure of enei right? And what would be the reward? The same thing, you know, in the mapo, the greater and greater hasaga comprehension of God's oneness. It's the same thing. You see. So why bother with the whole business in a certain sense? But if you put, if you create a physical universe, right, then there is no process of greater, greater Hasoga. There is no Hasoga. There's only a greater strengthening of Emuna, basically. You see, that's a much more profound and much more greater task than it is to be in a spiritual domain and be evade work, you know, and, and serve God in that. You understand the difference? So therefore, God felt it necessary, really, in many ways, that he wants to start from ground zero and not from, you know, a much higher point. Because ground zero, which is the physical universe, he's not even around unless he chooses to reveal himself. But if God doesn't reveal himself, you'd never know he existed. Never. And the truth is, that's what Avram Avinu had the problem. Uh, today we started Lech Lecha, right? Right? What was his problem? His problem is that, you know, um, everybody, well, actually over there, everybody believed in a God, you know what I'm saying? But the question is, you know, what kind of a God is he and so on and so forth. So he had a reason, the concept of a God, of a, of, you know, and so on and so forth, purely looking at the physical world, he had to reason it out. Basically, it was a ground zero, you know. I mean, there are many atheists walking around. To them, it's ground zero. Yeah. I saw in the last few days, I forgot what sources, but in the pictures of the Mashiach, the greatest the sign is that there's going to be tremendous hatzlachas for Rishon, and Yisuri had Sadiqin. 
and it, 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 that, that itself is not, it's not ground zero, it's ground negative 100, because this will be tremendous at Slavos Rishon, and you see that's thinking, you think it's not like the Holocaust, that was minus 100, almost absolute minus. Because but you're not, ex- you're not explaining why it's ground, it's negative ground zero. By the way, you're saying a very important idea, but you're not explaining it. I'm just, I'm just being in the in the It's not zero. It's not neutral. It's that you see everything is go. It, it, it seems fakert. You know, fakert. A person has to fight. If he's in, a, if he's in the Holocaust, he's fighting. That that as if. <coughs> What is the definition of a Chil Hashem? And what is the definition of a Kiddush Hashem? Tell me what these things are. What is a Chil Hashem? Tell me. What does it mean that there's a Chil Hashem? Din is not contradiction to Din. Like a mitzvah is not really... Forget it. Uh, what is Chil Hashem? It's a simple question. Tell me what is it mean to be in Chil Hashem? A person by his action is, is demonstrating that Hashem does not exist. Not necessarily. Hashem's mitzvah does not exist or is not important or does not have to be listened to. So give me a generic understanding of what you're saying. In this place or situation, Hashem does not exist. Either his, his will doesn't exist, I don't have to do it. No, no, I need to know generically, which means in general. No, okay. It's lessening Hashem's... It's what? It's lessening Hashem's uh, importance in the eyes of the, of the world. People are going to see Hashem... Hashem is not in control. We're in control. It's a certain point. The person's not participating in the game plan. You move himself... No, 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 no. You're more there, but you're not there. You know, it's one of these. Now, Echil Hashem is when you perform an action or an act, whatever, that diminishes the existence of God or His being, that's what it is. To mechal Hashem means to diminish His being or some aspect of His being. Who? Oh? No, not diminish Him. You don't diminish Him, right? But it diminish it in the eyes of everybody. In other words, okay, now, what's a Kiddush Hashem? The opposite. Is to do what? Is to what? Who? Is to enhance the being of God or any of his aspects. That's what it is. Why is the Holocaust one of the greatest Chil Hashems to ever occur in the history of the world? Why? You'll see there's no Hashem because of it. What does that mean? It takes Hashem out of the world. How could that, how could that happen to six million people? How could that happen? Finish the thought. Um, Don't give me a half word. To be a good teacher, don't leave people hanging, even if you want them to figure out what you're saying. Finish the thought. Give me a complete thought. Why is the Holocaust the greatest Chil Hashem ever known? Probably. Because Hashem would never allow this to happen. 
and, and therefore, and therefore either he's not there or, or he, he is completely incapacitated. Yeah. So in effect, the ability of Goyim to destroy Jews, when we know, according to the Torah, that the Jews are the children of God, and that he says he loves them and all that, for this to happen, it must be that A, either God does not exist, right? Or that he is handicapped, he's severely limited, or whatever. That is an unbelievable chilashem. You see. Because he, he's not around to stop it. If he was who he says he is, he could stop it. But he can't. Or he won't, or whatever. You see. That's why the Holocaust is an unbelievable chilashem. Got it? But, but so it would be based on to carry forward the thought of the sentence, but that would mean that in the, the, the avoider in such a situation would be that person can say, I, I believe, I believe in a verbal despite being a negative 100. I, I believe that God who does exist even though I don't understand it. And that would be the ticker. Yeah. Yeah. So in any case, so therefore the essential concept, right, is the recognition of the being of God with all his attendant attributes that is all God wants really in the end okay that you understand who he is and his attributes and so on uh, therefore <clears throat> he does not want to start in a domain in which you already know a great deal and the whole avoider is just to go higher no he wants to start with ground zero or come on you minus a hundred where not only do you understand, you know, <coughs> we don't even see him, we don't even know if he exists, but it clearly indicates that he can't exist. The Holocaust shows he can't exist. You, you, you've got stuff going on that negate his existence. And therefore, Chil Hashem is one of the greatest negations of his existence. You know, what the Romans did to the Jews, or, the, or, the, uh, or all the enemies of Jews, and so on, Right? It's the greatest Chil Hashem, but that type of action by man negates his existence and clearly negates his attributes. That he's not in charge or he's, he's helpless. You know what I'm saying? There was a guy, I mean, he's a reformed rabbi, a famous guy. Uh, who's the guy in Massachusetts? Uh, he had a son. What's his name? Harold Kushner. Kushner, that's it. You know, I once heard, uh, you know, I, I went through the roof with this, you know, where he had a kid who had a, a disease called progeria. Progeria is, uh, is very rare. It's where all of a sudden something snaps with the DNA and the guy ages. Like by the time he's five, he looks like 70 years old. It's extremely rare. Obviously, and he's dead by six because, you know, something accelerates the growth of the body where he actually ages with incredible speed. He said by the time he's four or five, he looks like 80 years old and he's dead, you know, and so on, you know. He, he had a kid like that, which is terrible. Okay. Oh. But he had to answer, well, how could God do this to me? You know, and he was a reformed rabbi. I mean, I don't know, you know. So he wrote a book, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People, meaning he's good, and this was a bad thing that happened to him, that he had a son never who died, you know, and so on. So he wrote a book, this right? Who? This is so ironic. 
the what? There's such a Meshugana called this book. Well, yeah, because he, yeah, he, because he held that he was a good person. He's a rabbi, reformed rabbi. Okay, you know, well, for for kid, of course, I mean, you know, yeah, but uh, but uh, and he held he was a good guy, and what happened to him was terrible. So he had the terrible challenge to figure out what's shot. So he came out with th- these conclusions. He said, "Wait a minute. The only way this could happen is a." If God does not exist, so it happens. So nature took over, and that's the end of it. You know, where's God? He's not around. But he said he doesn't believe that God doesn't exist. He exists, because he's a, he's a reformed rabbi. He's not, he's I'm not sure. Enough. What? He's not reformed enough. He's not reformed enough. No, he didn't become Reconstructionist, because I think they don't believe in the existence of God. Don't even ask me what they believe in, because if you don't believe in God, what in the world are you doing? Anyway, you know, they want to reconstruct the entire... Anyway, so he, he said, no, that can't be the answer, right? So Elamai, so God exists. So then why did he do this, you know? So the second thing is that maybe God's helpless. You know, we think he's all-powerful, you know, and he can't do it. He, can't, he cannot stop the physical universe from doing what it does. He's not in control. He would like to be in control. We'd give him an A for effort. we give him gold stars because he would like to do it. But he can't. That was the second, you know, possibility. The third possibility is God's not good. God's not good. He does a lot of evil. So what's the problem? Of course, he never entertained the fact that maybe he's not good. You know, and that's what God did it. No, the Hatz V'Sholem. He never thought about that as the possible answer. That maybe, you know, he's not good or whatever or, you know... That he's either he's not good, or maybe the son was not good in a previous reincarnation. Yeah, These are the answers. But he, you know. So what was his answer of the three? Which did he choose? He chose number two, which is he exists and he's all good, but never he tries. He can't do it. That's it. You know. So, 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 uh, yeah. So, so I heard that. You know. No, but that's not... That bothered me great. Wait, 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 wait. That bothered me greatly. This guy's out of his mind. You know, it means God is looking on while all these terrible things are going on, and he's impotent. He can't do anything. I mean, you know, with a statement like that... I Forget about the fact then, what do you mean God looked on, he can't do anything then? Excuse me. The, what kind of God do you have? Did he create the world? So if he created it, why can't he stop it? Like, you have to understand, how does that fit with the rest of the theology? Makes no sense. Okay. Yeah, but here's what he said. So that's one minus and not because. Fine. But what really hit the roof, I, I just, I, you know, I, my blood boiled when I read that, you know, so, you know, that not only can't God do it, right? So therefore he said, so therefore we have to be better than God in a certain sense. We have to forgive God his inadequacies. We need to realize that Nebuch, he can't do it. You know, Nebuch, you know, so we have to understand and we, we have to forgive God for his inability to stop the evil. You believe this guy? So what he did, the gaiva of a statement like that, that I am greater than you because I can forgive you for your total botched up job. The, the gaiva of that, the, the, you know, so the meanness is one thing. 
But the arrogance that, okay, you know, never, we understand you, like a guy with problems, comes with emotional problems, you know, and you're a therapist and you sit there, yeah, I understand you, of course, you know, never, we're not all blessed. He's not making it even to Gehenna. I don't know where I don't know if he's alive anymore. This came out years ago. But what was, was terrible? It was a bestseller. Yeah. You, let me say. You have to believe. You know, it came out in the seventies or the eighties. It's a long time. You know, and so on. But look, you want to believe this? Then shut up, because you are about to create the greatest chil Hashem I've ever heard of. But by saying that and that you you want to ennoble yourself, the gaiva of that, you know. What are you writing a book about this for? I mean, why do you want to write a book? Because you want to make people believe what you believe? You know what I mean? What kind of chil Hashem that is? And so on, you know? In any case, so... So, so, so anyway, getting back, so the, the essential idea is that therefore the Barsham, obviously, you know, therefore created a physical dom- domain where... It's ground zero, where there is no presence of God, because he wants you to operate, that's called the operation, the theater of operation. You know, war is a theater of operation. He wants you to operate in a place which has no uh, indication of the existence of God, really, at all. And not only that, but there are many negative connotations to his existence, and so on. And therefore, that's an incredible challenge that in this area, this region where there's no, you know, you need to figure out what the emphasis is, you know. And not just figure out, you have to serve God in a place that he's absent, purely on the basis of faith. You know what I'm saying? And when you think about it, you know, a guy who's a, a, a from a guy, you know, not a from a guy, a guy's a real tzaddik, let's say, you know. I mean, what's he doing? If you think about it, you know, an atheist looks at him and says, I don't stand, you know. You, you only know about one thing, that you have only one life. That's it. You know, after you're dead, it's goodbye, Charlie. We don't know where you go. We don't even know if you exist. And you probably don't exist. So you're giving up your entire life, the pleasures of mankind, right? The ability to sin, to do whatever you want. To have your ham sandwich and enjoy it. Whatever it is, you know, that people do, right? To live a life and do whatever you want. You're giving that all up on the supposition that there's you will live after death and you will therefore get another world. With a, in, in a place that doesn't have any indication, pashtas, of the existence of God. Now, there is an indication, but you got to look for it, you know what I'm saying? There's no open display of the Barishlam. You know, so you don't realize the enormous amount of mysterious nefesh that a tzaddik gives up to do this, because really he's giving up his life. And as far as he knows, I mean, as far as he sees, right? There's only one life. After this, it's over with. You know what I'm saying? And it's not only true of him; it's true of any Jew that does mitzvahs, because essentially, what is a mitzvah? What do all mitzvahs share in common? They what? They limit your ability to enjoy yourself. Think about that. You know? Guy's walking around, he's walking Manhattan and he's starving, he eats the whole day, right? He smells this, oh, Gavaldic restaurant, it's a trafe, right? He can't go in, so you gotta stop and wait until he comes back to Lakewood. 
You don't want him to go into the red. What? What? You know. So that's Monsieur Stefish. It was a person that's to deny, uh, really, the quality of his life. A mitzvah fundamentally asks you to deny a quality of life, doesn't it? In fact, if it doesn't, it's not a mitzvah. The reverse. You see? By definition, yeah. So therefore, we see one thing clear. That all of this is intended to do what? To create a matzah, a situation, which he is completely concealed, right? Which means to deny you everything, right? Right? And that's the greatest challenge of all. You know what I'm saying? When you think, it's an incredible thing when a guy does a mitzvah. Because he's limiting himself. He's denying him something. Whatever it is, you know, we just pass sukkahs, you know. Who wants to live outside in the cold, whatever, you know? The guy's got to make a straw hut, you know what I'm saying? And he's got to eat there, you know what I'm saying? Nobody does this, you know? And then uh, he's got to take, he's got to go buy a lulu and shake a lulu and Like, what is this? Shaking plants? Like, what is this? Some voodoo kind of thing? Who? And then he's got to go to Davin and he prays and he's shaking this, this thing. Like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you look at the Apisechel, uh, you know, it's a ritual. Why should I do this? In that Matzav, the Rebunshim said, I want to test you. I'm going to put you in a situation where a great deal of what you do, you know, you don't understand it, and so on, you know. And you, you, A, you do not see me. B, there are negative indicators that I don't exist, you know. And what I'm going to ask you to do is like, huh? You see? And you're the whole world against them. Yeah, yeah. Then you come in where everybody hates you and wants to kill you, you know. And imagine Shemitah. A guy says, I'm not going to plant my field. It's like, what? Uh, you mean you're going to not plant your field for one year? How are you going to live? <coughs> you know what I'm saying? What? Speech that they said it's not so much the, 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 um, the lack of income for that year. It's the customers after that year. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because they jeopardize the whole business, you know. Because, you know, these big, let's say, what do you call Osem. Osem is waiting for your order, you know, of a wheat or whatever. And you call up Osem and say, okay, you won't get my wheat for a year. Go somewhere else. Uh, we'll go somewhere else. A lot of wheat grows out there. So uh, you not only jeopardize that year, you jeopardize all the years. In fact, you're really looking at poverty. This is designed ostensibly to make you poor or to destroy you. So a guy says to me, excuse me, what am I crazy? So you look at a Jew, it's unbelievable, Monsieur Stefish. You know? But I guarantee you, if there was a Shemitah in, 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 in the Oilomus Ruchni, okay, I know he is, I know what's going to happen. Okay, so I don't know him completely. You know what I'm saying? So I know him, I, I know him by the side of his face. So someday I'll get to look at his face. Okay, but it's no problem. I know he's around, I know he can do. No, Bunshim doesn't want that type of answer. He wants black. That's what he has. <clears throat> Therefore, that answers the question, why he created a physical universe. See, the mistake you all make, you all make, the fact that it's made, is not that he created a physical universe. He created a universe in which he is gone. That's a physical universe. You understand which way it works? doesn't work that he created a physical universe. He created a universe in which he is not present. That universe has to be physical to fulfill that purpose. That's the 
the key. So we now understand the essential difference between Ruchni and Gashmi, between a spiritual universe and physical, is one is he's there, except on different levels he's not completely visible, uh, you know, known, whatever. And it's, in this universe, forget it. And, and so on and so forth. But there are ways to figure him out. The greatest proof of the existence of God, the greatest, without him actually revealing himself, is through thinking. In other words, what the Bonsham did do is he left different items where, if you think about it, you come to the conclusion there has to be a God, you see. And that is what he did do. Who? Clues. Clues. He left clues. <coughs> you see, he left intellectual clues that you have to do. But at the same time as he left intellectual clues, right? He didn't want to give you... A, the Russian doesn't want to give you an easy chance. You have to put them together. No, you have to put them together, but that's not even, what the, that's not even a problem. <coughs> even though he left intellectual clues, what he did do is he gave you a Yetzirah which tells you that, come on, don't look at that. Come on, you look at that, you can't enjoy yourself. So he gave you a bias against looking, looking at clues. Why do you think when a guy gives a sheer, everybody exits? Because nobody wants to sit to a sheer. I can strain my head, you know. You know, why is Musra a dead movement, which it is? You want to be an Oyved? Excuse me. You want to give up this world for what? You know, it's, what he did is he created a nature in us, which is called the Eight Sahara, that is opposed to you even thinking about the clues. That's bad news. You see? So we have a bias. We don't want to think about these clues at all. Uh, that's why people go around their entire life, even, and they can face clues. You know? I, once, I remember I once spoke in Detroit. I get around speaking sometime. And I spoke in Detroit... And the one who hosted me was a brain surgeon. So I asked him, Akasha, you know the brain? It's the most complicated, complicated thing in the, in the entire known universe, the brain. There's a hundred billion neurons, it's, but the connections are quadrillion. It's just beyond quintillion. means the way they connect. They are incredible how many different types of connections so I asked him I said I understand something there are neurosurgeons the brain surgeons right that actually are atheists so how is it possible for a guy to operate on a human brain which they do open it up and then looking at this little four pound sack right uh, that is capable unbelievable of thinking of memory imagining emotions creativity it's like excuse me what how can this, it's four pounds, and it's fluffy, you know? <laughs> it's fluffy, it's soft, you put your finger right through it. You know, it's like, it's, it's incredible. It's like, this enables a person to be a human being with all the unbelievable attributes? Yeah. So I asked him, how's it possible for a guy to be an atheist brain surgeon? The child. I mean, this is the greatest clue of all. Right? It's the most complex thing in the universe. Could this have come by chance? No way. Impossible. Right? Yet there are guys who are atheists. What do you answer? Right? He didn't have an answer. But the answer we know. Because there's a bias to see the clue. That's the answer. The clue's there. 
Hey, and, and it's not, and, and, and that's the reasonable assumption. You don't even have to think about it. You're looking at it. You know, a brain surgeon knows what a brain is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not that he cuts it. He knows the anatomy of physiology. He knows the functioning. He knows the areas. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And when he's looking at it, it's not like it's, it's like it's not like this 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 computer that's as tall as the World Trade Center. No, no, it's a little four-pound little piece of nothing tissue paper. You know what I'm saying? That does all this. And the answer is, he doesn't. He, there's a bias. There's something in him that says, "Don't think, just cut." <laughs> Just cut and cash the check. Don't think about what you're doing. Don't think about what you're operating on. That's really what it is. Who, what is that? It's the Sahara. Why? Because if he comes to the conclusion that there is a higher being, a guess what? He's got to change. He's got to limit himself. Oh, he's got to go daven. You know, you got to see Shabbos, Kashmir, Tas Mishpocha. Uh-oh, bad news. You know? So there's a bias not to think about a clue that faces him. It's the greatest clue ever known to man Alpha Pekin what a Musa Haskell you see so imagine the Russian puts you in a place which is physical right and there's no indication of his existence right and even though he leaves clues uh, but he gave the eight Sahara that doesn't want to look at the clues and then there are things going on which are anti-belief of God like I told you the Chil Hashem of the Holocaust how could this happen if there's a God so many people reach conclusion there's no God you know, and therefore that empowers the goyim. Ah, there's no God. You know, don't show me Israel. Let's kill them all. You see, and in this matzav of total chushich, we need to be oivei. Wow, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by anybody that does one mitzvah in his life. One. Why? Because if you do a mitzvah. Right? And you do it because it is a mitzvah, not because it happens to coincide with it what you want. That's Kavaldic. You're Moshe Nefesh once in your life, and that mitzvah declares that you are Maimon, that there's another supreme being that has a will besides you, and he says, hey, I command you. Just to do one mitzvah is beyond belief. Al-Achas Kama Vakama, that they are from Eden, that do mitzvahs, thousands like the Chazal say, the Rimoin, it's all, every Jew is filled with mitzvahs. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's incredible because one mitzvah means you have to deny, you know what I'm saying? You have to admit that there's a being, a supreme being. That's why you should know, I think it says that if you do one mitzvah in your entire life, one, with a kavona, that you're doing it because you were commanded, you're in Oilam Habo. You're in Oilam Habo. Because that is the passport to Oilam Habo. And therefore, the only way to do that really is a physical universe. A very important idea. So therefore, the definition of a physical universe, it's a place that can conceal the presence of God and conceal it. Therefore, we are in the dark. It's really what it is. Is it a little fact that uh, one mitzvah life, during lifetime is enough to get to I think so, yeah. I think the Chazal would say that. If you do one mitzvah, the kavana. I mean, not, you know, just have the coincide, you know, uh, you know. Oh, well, I, I need a, you know, I need a break from my house. I want to, you know, like they go. A sukkah is a bungalow. It's really what a bungalow, you know. People live in sukkahs all summer, which is interesting. You know, why in the world do they have to make a sukkah? A bungalow is a sukkah. Basically, it's a, it's a hovel. It's a, and so you know. But if a guy does a mitzvah because of the tzivoy, it's oinam habo. That's the passport. The passport is to admit a higher being.
then obviously, you know, you want to, it depends that when you enter, so you can enter as a regular guy, commoner, or you can enter as an ambassador with it throughout the red carpet field. That already means you have to do more mitzvahs. Fine. You know? But that's an important idea. Why did he make a physical universe? Because the, the question, the answer is not that he made a physical universe. He decided to make a place that he is absolutely gone, absent, and there are indicators in that place that he doesn't even exist. But also, that's ground zero. But he reveals himself in the relation of much greater when he reveals in the physical universe too. What? His relation is going to be much greater when he reveals himself through the physical universe too. Yes. But all the time he was really here. Yeah. It's well, much relation. well, so the interesting thing about it, even though there was a universe, it wasn't as physical, but by Adam Rishon, by the Chet, the Bansham talked to him. Because I think the concept is, fairness says, hey, you can't do that. You can't put a guy in an absolute darkness. You know what I'm saying? The, the, what's the yashvus of this? That means they were all doomed to fail. So what the Bansham did is he started off fair. Yashvus. Yosha. <clears throat> so he talked to Adam. Adam didn't see him. But he talked to Adam because Adam knew that there was a being called God. He was in the state of Nebuah. Who? Adam. Well, I don't know if you'd call it Nebuah. It could have been direct communications. <clears throat> I don't know if it's a Nebuah. It could be the way I'm talking to you. That's where he experienced the Bonishnam. There is Nevuah, but I don't know if the communications of the Bonishnam to him was Nevuah, because then he would have been convinced. A Novi knows it's a whole different idea that there's a Bonishnam. In fact, the Novi looks into the Ruchnitzig universe. He sees it. You know. So Adam, even though they say he was not a Mitzir or whatever, and then as, as time went on, it got worse and worse. But without Nevuah, it's impossible to know who he's talking to. What? Well, I mean, he realized that that voice is God. I mean, however, he knew that that voice isn't just a, you know, a parrot talking to him. He knew that that voice is a being called God. Not only that, he knew the being called God created everything. He read a, he The truth is, he had an incredible head start. How he, how he messed up is incredible, really. I mean, I don't know if we would have done better, because we don't really know what his Nisoyen was. But we do know that he has a saga that is beyond comprehension. You know what I'm saying? Incredible. Yet he still messed up, which to us is was terrible, because he believed in Nochash, you know, that there is a power other than God, Yeshev Mavadoi. And the whole passport was Enei Mavadoi, or at least to believe in a supreme being, and so on, you know. But anyway... All this seems to take a tremendous amount of thinking ability and it's still confusing. Which? What takes thinking ability? This pursuit, this trying to... So what about people who are severe... I want to tell you something. You know what's more important than thinking? You're right. It does take thinking. But there's something else that it takes even more. One of the most important avoiders is called Tikkun Hamidus character traits. Why? But why? Yeah, that's true. But why? What? One of the main reasons is to emulate Hashem. Why? Diminish self, so it's more space to Hashem. Who? It diminish self, so let Hashem reveal himself more. Nice. No. Why is there an avoid of Tikkun Hamidus? Because 
the most fundamental attribute that you need to have to see the clues, think about it, is called honesty. You need to be honest. You have to say to yourself, you know, whatever's out there, but whatever it is, I will face it and admit. Honesty is to admit what is real, what is true. If you're dishonest, I don't care what clues you have. Yes, the guy with the brain surgeon, he's not honest. I mean, he's fooling himself. He is deceiving himself. That's really what he's doing. Why is he deceiving himself? Because he's biased. Because he has needs that he wants to do, urges. And if he admits what's going on, so therefore he becomes dishonest. And when you become dishonest, what do you do? You deceive. In order to look at the clues, you need to not deceive yourself. You need to be honest. But what's the greatest enemy of honesty? Self-needs. Tikkun Amidus is the opposite of self-needs. When you have to work on your Amidus, what you're really working on is what? Is the biases that will prevent you from being honest. You see? Amidus, what is Amidus? Amidus is the character traits, right? Gaiva. All kinds of it, you know, anger, gaiva. All of these are preventives from being honest. You know, a guy's about gaiva is not honest. He thinks he's king of the universe. You see, <clears throat> therefore, Tikkun Amidus is a prerequisite to develop the, 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 uh, the uh, attitude of honesty. Once you're honest, then you'll see the MS. Tikkun Amidus is not connected to Hashem. Who? There's no, strictly saying, there's no Hashem in Tikkun Amidus. There has nothing to do with Hashem. Just Tikkun Amidus, yeah. And you can do it without Hashem. Well, exactly, yeah. There are many goyim who work on themselves. So I, I shouldn't say many, you know. You know, there are goyim who do Tikkun Amidus. I mean, they, whatever they do. There are goyim out there who realize they can't be ar- arrogant. And they work on their humility. They say, hey, who am I really, you know? And there's no God involved necessarily. It's not because they believe that God said, you know, uh, Tikkun Amidus. But... <coughs> yeah, but remember, the most fundamental attribute that you need to see the clues is honesty. Without honesty, self-deception... And that's the end of the clues, which we see. Therefore, you need to be honest. In order to be honest, you need to remove what's called self-interest. You need to, well, rationalization is a defense that allows you to uh, uh, deceive yourself. You need to remove self-interest. But self-interest are the midas. You know what I'm saying? So you have to work on the midas or, or else you're blind. Why do you think God revealed the Torah? The truth is, he, you could have figured it out from clues. Because he knows most people don't have the ability to be honest. You should know honesty is the greatest of all midas. <coughs> because it will enable you to come to the realization that there is a God and that he has a purpose for you. People who are not honest, right? They don't see it. Or to the extent that they're dishonest, to that extent, they don't see the truth. The only way to see the truth is honesty. The only way to deal with honesty is get rid of your self-interest and your meters. Without that, you're finished. Uh, that's why Judaism places an incredible uh, emphasis on 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 tikkunamidus. On tikkunamidus uh, is all, all the meters, you know, all the meters, you know, tahara. This removes it, negates all the biases, the self-interest. The urges, 
the desires, right? It removes that. Oh, once it removes that, now I can be honest. But you still, you know, so now that you can be honest, now look for the clues. Everybody got that? I told you a very important idea. Very important. Uh, that the major info, I mean, there are other nyanam to emulate God. There, there are, there's no question, there are other nyanam. Uh, but the most important for us is that without Tikkunamidas, you are going to be biased, self-interest. And if you are biased and have self-interest, you are not going to be honest. And if you are not going to be honest, you are going to practice one of the most, one of the most prevalent uh, uh, things, and that is the act of self-deception. And if you self-deceive, you will see nothing. That's why a brain surgeon can work on the brain and see nothing. Astounding. Got that? Very. I just evolved. I will add to that. You add, okay. I'll add Vidos to Vidy. Every school, every people, every population, there's a sizable amount of people, either they're mildly challenged or severely, whether someone's being trained to work in a factory or they just, they're 40 years old, they just rock and mumble, they never learn language. What, are they on the same journey we are, or is there something else going on there? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Whether somebody is mildly uh, mentally challenged or severely, whether they're being trained to work in a factory, they're mildly challenged, or they're 30 years old and they just rock and mumble because they can't learn language, they're severely or moderately mentally disabled, are they on the same path we are to try to be honest and determine the truth? What's going on? Because it's a sizable population. Every school. That what? That what does that do with honesty? Mentally challenged. Mentally challenged. What about them? Sizable population. Are they on the same journey we are, or is something else going? They're on the same journey. The reason why they're mentally challenged because that's an oinish. In terms of what they did previous Gilgulim, Uh, you know, if you were in a Gilgul, let's assume your father's the god Lador. Big example, cancer, right? Your father's the god Lador, right? Let's assume so, right? And he's always learning, and he puts you in the best yeshivas, best rebbe's, and all that kind of stuff. And after Pekain, you decide, hey, it's not for me, right? You're Nenash. Because you had an incredible opportunity and availability, you know what I'm saying? To seek what? To seek the truth, Yemes. Except you rejected it, fine? So in the next Gilgul, guess what? Mida connected Mida. Now you're going to have much less of an opportunity and it's going to be harder for you because that's the media connected media. There is something going on in their personal experience that makes heads or tails. When you see someone rocking and mumbling and they can't change themselves, they can't learn the language, there's something going on in there that, that yeah, makes well, sense to them that they can try to... Well, uh, yeah, there's, there's something, yeah, there's a dysfunction in their brain. Whatever the neurons are not working. I mean, I do, you know, I mean, because some kids, uh, look, in the end, we are physical, you know, and even though the neshama doesn't need a brain to function, it, it's an instant eloy, as they say, you know what I'm saying? It instantly apprehends information. However, since it must filter, but it, it, since it must be connected to the brain, it can only exhibit intelligence based on the physical capacity of that brain. And if that brain is damaged, yeah, of course, it won't be able to. Yeah. But that's a very important idea. You see, the most important mida in the end is honesty. Without that, nothing happens. That's why a brain surgeon can operate on a brain and see nothing. 
of the incredible God. You see? And therefore, the only way to really prevent that, to be honest, and therefore self-deceive yourself, is you need to stop the self-interest and the bias, which is the midas. Therefore, tikkun amidas is critical. As a precursor, as a prerequisite, to be honest, and then once you're honest, then you can see the MS. Very important idea. So if a person goes through a Holocaust, through concentration camps and everything else, if he's honest, he still can recognize the shell, that's what he has no chance. He has no chance. I don't see what you're saying. person goes through a Holocaust himself. Yeah. All the experiences. Okay, the experiences. yeah, yeah, go ahead. As long as he's honest, he still can recognize the Creator. Well, there he denies because the, how could God allow this to happen? Uh, no, that that's that's a contradiction to his rational thinking. That if there is a God, why did he allow this? But the rational part of himself, wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> there are reasons why he could have allowed this to happen. You know what I'm saying? There are always reasons why. <clears throat> a guy's got to go in for surgery, and there's a surgeon that's going to cut out the tumor. So what's he going to look at the surgeon? How are you doing this? The way who gives you the right to do this? And the guy says, excuse me, if I don't cut out that tumor, you're chopped meat. So then he said, you know, I got a point there. There's always a reason. <laughs> Not a point that you chop meat, but the reason why you can do it. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> There's always a reason. You know, uh, uh, no, it's, it's a context. <coughs> There's always a context that can justify murder. You know, it's the context that defines the act. A guy can be running after another guy, or a guy can kill a guy. So how could you do that? Yeah, because he just tried to shoot me. So within the context of self-defense, he's, he's guiltless. You see? So that's the mistake this guy's making. What he should say to himself, what happened in the Holocaust is, is beyond belief. What possible context can I give God that would have justified this? But he never asked himself the question, you see. Because, uh, you know, he... Whatever, he has a certain meter where he feels his thinking is correct. And you know what I'm saying? So that, you know, uh, maybe he jumps to conclusions. Whatever the meter is that does not allow him to do that, or he didn't, but he had free will, what he should have asked is, <coughs> what's the context of this? Uh, like I said, anything can be justified by its context, even murder. You see? And, and so on. And once you understand the context, then you understand the nature of, is it a crime or is it a good deed? I'd rather, you know? But these people, they don't ask that, okay, because what, what blinds these guys? A Holocaust survivor, in the end, what media blinds him? Remember I said, honesty, what destroys honesty is bias, self-interest, and that goes down to medias. You have to. That's why Tikkun Amidus is so critical. So you can be honest and then see all the clues that God left behind that he exists. What meter blinds a Holocaust survivor? And that Pain. blinds him. Who? Pain. Pain is not a meter, it's a physical experience. Let me put it this way. <clears throat> which, which emotion blinds a guy? In, 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 who? Anger. Exactly. Anger. 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 Yeah. How can he do this to me? Yeah, it's anger. It's either anger, or it's rage, or it's livid. 
whatever degree you're into, he's angry, and he's not going to think correctly. Angry people are not interested in the truth. They're just interested in getting you. Period. Right? The problem with Nebuch is that these people have been so destroyed that they are fuming with rage. Fuming. That's when they get healthy. While they're sick, I mean, obviously, there's not even rage. It's, they're so decimated, you know. But once they get over that, and they, now, you know, most people have to deal with the incredible rage. So how, how would you deal with that? Is that the question? <laughs> how would I deal with that? Really? No, trade I, I mean, secrets. I don't mean, a job. Saying trade secrets. Like no, nah, no, we would trade secrets. Someone would come to you that he was in a concentration camp, like someone I know. He was there for five years. Which camp? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what happened? How, how would you treat such a person? I mean, seriously, how would you treat such a person? He suffered, he had it for five years. Like I say, you know, you have to be honest. I mean, eventually I wouldn't go right into it, but let's say after a while, my objective would be, listen, you know, I understand your pain, and I understand why it's natural to be enraged. But let's ask a question, you know, is there possibly a context that could justify this. <coughs> and then he would say, you know, he'd say, no, 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 it can't be, you know, so I said, wait a minute. You know, and I, I go, well, I said, yeah, there, there is a context that could justify this. What's the context? The context is, right? So he asked me what the context is? Yeah. Fine. Well, I would want him to come up with that. Exactly. It's a lot better. Correct. You know, well, if I got to tell him, he can dismiss it. What? Whatever you say, I could shrug up. Whatever you could say, I could... Sh- no, whatever, whatever you're going to tell him, I could slug up. Well, I would say, what happens... Let me give you an example. Okay? What happens if a person did a terrible deed? Okay? Well, he knows he didn't. No, you're, you're not letting me finish. Yeah. You see, you're too angry. <laughs> I can feel that you don't want me to answer this. You'd rather remain with the question. But anyway, I will ignore your problems, and I will tell you, I say, okay, is there a possible context? Now, the guy said, no, I don't see any context, you know. I say, okay, let me get an example that there could be a context, you know. <coughs> the context is, what happens if a guy commits a terrible deed, you know? He goes and he robs, he robs somebody, a bank robbery, right? And in the process of the bank robbery, there's also, there's a police officer, whatever, a cop, he says, hey, you know, pulls out a gun and kills the cop, right? And he's running down to a bank, and all of a sudden he's caught. Right? And they bring him in front of the court, and the judge says, we have obviously witnesses all over the place and so on, guilty death. Right? And they kill him. Was that justified? Definitely. Oh, why? He murdered, they, the, they just murdered a guy. They killed a guy. What's the justification for this? What is Mida Kenegi Mida? Isn't that context? Yeah. Uh, therefore, we see, therefore, that terrible things, if it's, con- if it's in the right context, can be justified. Right. Oh, so I, I proved the concept of a context. Elisa. That's what you got to do first. We have four, Eliza. I only have one session, so we four. Hey, wait a minute. Come on. You, you got to pay for this session. I don't do this for free. <laughs> Well, once I, I prove that. that, once I prove the concept, right, I say, okay, <clears throat> uh, let's talk about God. What context could have justified what he did? 
it can only be where there are sinners. Or else, without the concept of a crime or a sin, it makes no sense. Right? Okay, so therefore, right? So the question is this. Put the Holocaust aside, and let's take a look at a children's hospital. Did you ever walk through a children's... Are, are you going to Gilgal? Is that direction? That well, I, well but I, I proceed very slowly and logically. Well, is there something well, wrong to go to Gilgal? I, I want to yeah, prove where, something. Where are you going? Are you going to Gilgal or are you going to, yeah. to Gilgal? Is that where you're going? Wait, 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 wait. You need, you need, to, you need to tone down. Uh, yeah, I see you're hyper, yeah. yeah well, give, give the guy some Ritalin. Anyway. Um, so then, I would, like I say, I would... Um, oh, children, no? Children's hospital. The next thing I would go through, right? So I would have demonstrated gently that there's a context. Right? And that sometimes can justify. The next thing I would do, I'm not going to go to Gilgal, not yet. Let's check out a children's hospital. Do you ever walk to a children's hospital? Infants, toddlers, children, uh, teenagers. Okay, so put teenagers aside. There's an infant. He's six months old. And his heart is all, you know, all messed up. Yeah. What, what, what in the world, why is this happening to this infant? Uh, how do you answer that? Uh, well, then you have to say, well, that there's a context. Clearly, there's something being done to an infinite that is a consequence of an act that it did. But the question is, it didn't do anything. It's only six months old, right? So you must say, well, okay, that there has to be some type of a previous time that this child did do something or else what is looked on is the greatest cruelty i said imagine god imagine let's assume there is no context right and all of a sudden god decided one day he got up from his bed and he said you know i'm angry (laughs) it's hell to pay who am i gonna take it out on Oh, wait a minute. There's a bunch of Jews down there. You know, I'm going to get them. Uh, you know, so then an angel walks over to him. Malach, let's say, you know, the, the great Malach. would say to him, You know, what's the problem? Why do you want to kill them? I'm angry today. You know, I just feel like it. Today's the day I feel like being cruel. Uh, that's what he went into the Malach, right? Because cruelty is when it's not justified. So the mouth would, you know, and so on. Now, you look at that. Now, would we believe that God is cruel? No. Never. Okay, so therefore, God did not kill the people in the Holocaust. The Nazis and the Germans and all the other Rishoyim, they killed. But the problem isn't who killed them. The problem is why didn't God stop it or prevent it? Clearly then, if he didn't prevent it, it has to be that it was part of his plan. In other words, he was okay with what they did. Not that he, you know what I'm saying? He was okay. You know, if you let something happen, and you could have you stopped it, and you let it happen, what does that mean? As long as you could have stopped it, you're okay with it. So the question is, <clears throat> there's only one of two possibilities here. Either God is a madman, 
But then even a human being would never do this. I mean, human beings, it, it's incredibly rare to find a human that has such a cruelty. Take six, 56 million people died because Hitler lived. Yemachshemoy v'zichroy. 56 million people died for nothing. So, and who engineered this? Well, the Nazis. Yeah, but you let it happen, which clearly indicates that you're okay with this, which makes you the Nobel Prize winner of the greatest cruel being that ever existed. Even a human would never have done that. Now, which can't be. Elamai, so I, I that's, so the, the, therefore, there has to be some, so either you say God is the most cruel being that ever existed, which is beyond belief. You know what I'm saying? And that's why you have children's hospitals because God has said, hey, I like that infant, I got to do that kid in. You know, I can't let this kid live. Yeah, but why? I feel like it. You know, I walk up on the wrong side, right? Uh, so we're talking here about an absolute madman. That even an Arab that kills has a reason. Unless he's, we're talking about a psychotic. Okay, so we, we, nobody will ever say that God is psychotic. Or what? Even reform, yeah, nobody. Because that you have reduced God to being the most cruel thing that ever existed. We can't say that. Elamai, there has to be a rational context. Right? Okay, uh, so therefore the rational context is, since we know the only context that justifies this, is if the people who did it were perpetrators of a guilt, or they are guilty of something. That's the only rational context. The other one is mad. Right? So therefore the question is, they didn't do anything. And the answer is, they did. We do not see the entire perspective, okay? <clears throat> and I give an example, you know. Our problem is we do not see the totality of human existence. This is our problem. It's like the kid where the mother takes him to a pediatrician to get an injection, a vaccine. So the kid, the doctor says to the mother, hey, I know what this kid is about to do. He's going to jump all over the place because as soon as I take out the needle, that's the cue. So the, the doctor says to the, the mother, you need to hold him down, you know? And the mother holds him down. And the doctor comes, this vicious, evil, cruel doctor, right? Because the kid, right, comes and puts it in, right? Pulls out the needle and walks away, right? And then the mother takes the kid and they, on the way home, the kid looks at his mother and says, I can't believe this. I thought you loved me. What you answer to that? It's because I loved you that I did it. You see, the context is different. What justified the behavior is the context. Same concept, right? Our problem is we do not see the totality of human history at all. So we only see our vibe we see, which we don't even don't. We don't even see our lifetimes. Yeah, we live the 80, 90 years, whatever it is, right? You know, half the time we're idiots. The other half the other time we're either we're idiots growing up, right, or we or, or people get Alzheimer's. And so what do we got? Thirty, forty years to figure things out. That's not enough time. You can't figure out things in forty years, right? So we can't. Yeah, and, and one third of our life is sleeping anyway. So anyway, we're out. So for the for the sixteen hours that we're awake and half the time we're eating, sleep. I mean, you know, eating or doing other natural things, right? And so so. How much time do you have left a day to figure things out? So twenty years. It's over in bottle. 
20 years before we're trying to figure out what life is all about, one third of the time of the 40 is we're sleeping, right? And the other eight hours we're busy making a living all that. And what do we got? A couple of, you know what? It's nothing to figure out what's going on. Do something which is beyond human belief of being cruel. There has to be a context. The context obviously is sin. LMI where? We don't see the totality. There has to be a time that this guy sinned. I, six minutes you need to believe in Gilgul. I mean, or else it makes no sense. You have one of three choices. There's only three choices here. Either God doesn't exist, so anything can happen. No, this God. Oh, okay. You, well, God exists, but he's a madman. No, it's not. Okay. Oh, so you're stuck. There has to be a context that justifies, yeah, and the context is what? Sin. Because we have limited human experience, and therefore you need to believe in Gilgal. There you are. Now, you may not want to accept that. I don't mean you personally, but why won't that person... Because he's angry. He's angry, so I don't want to hear this. You see? That's the problem. So therefore, Tikkun Amidus tries to deal with all this kind of stuff. Gaiva and Kino and Kaz and you name it and so on and so forth. And then you're in the position where you could be honest and, and so on and so forth. Now, I have just reasoned how I would deal with somebody. You know, but that person in the end, you know, can say, hey, I don't care what your reason is. I can't emotionally accept what you're saying. Yes. In fact, many people of the Holocaust cannot. But, but, but if you ask me... No, 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 I, I, I'm not denying it. I'd say it was easy. I'd say, but if you ask me what my strategy is, this would be my strategy. You had to have a strategy. So this is my strategy. And it's very logical. You know, it, and it's not even an answer to the question because we don't know why the Bosham did it. Correct. Well, it's it's a more. It's not the pain. It's the anger. But the anger is not just an angry guy. Because he's in pain, he's angry. Yes, but it's the anger that stops him, which is caused by the pain. It's not the pain. Doesn't have to be anger. Anyway.